I'm Stacy, and I love talking about how to know and live out God's callings in our lives, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in comfy armchairs. You can head over to my website, stacysummero.com, for more on discernment. That's S-T-A-C-E-Y-S-U-M-E-R-E-A-U.com. everyone. I hope you have a steaming hot cup of coffee or tea to sip on today because Old Man Winter is just coming right down the pike and I can feel it. Before we get to the episode, I just wanted to let you know that I'm now giving away something that I'm super excited about to anyone who subscribes to my website. I'll send you a free worksheet called How to Make the Right Choice, which takes you through some great practical how-tos to get started discerning any decision. Remember, discernment isn't just for single people discerning a vocation. It's for all of us all the time with any life choice that we make. Making decisions is hard, but finding support for the journey shouldn't be. I would really love to walk with you and give you this free resource, which is the fruit of my many years of discernment, as well as some of the wisest people that I know, including some saints. Now, as I mentioned a minute ago, discernment is for everyone all of the time. Before I discerned my vocation, I used to think that discernment was just kind of the only time that I needed to tune into hearing God's will in my life, and then after I found my vocation, I could just kind of do what I wanted. Despite being a lifelong Catholic, that false belief was never really challenged until I actually sat in adoration discerning my vocation and I realized, oh shoot, I actually have to discern everything and let God sit in the driver's seat. My guest today, Mike Creevy, has some incredible insight into why we should all be discerning all of the time. And he came up with this brand new analogy for discernment as land navigation that was super helpful for framing any discussion about finding God's will. Mike also is going to tell us what it feels like to hear God's voice, which will be really helpful for anyone who feels like they're having trouble with that right now. I know I do often. I was sitting in a creaky chair when I recorded this episode, and I was worried afterward that you would hear the chair creaking the whole time because I was just nodding emphatically the whole time at everything Mike said. He's definitely one of my most well-read and articulate friends, and he has a master's degree in theology and Christian ministry from Franciscan University, so he really knows what he's talking about. He and his wife are very dear friends of mine, and I definitely felt like the Holy Spirit was just flowing through this conversation. Mike is a podcaster as well, and you can find his podcast called The Gracious Guest at thegraciousguest.org. Okay, let's get to it. Mike Creevy, it's so good to be with you. Stacey, it's, it's, an, it's a pleasure and it's very exciting. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you for me too. Um, I am drinking coffee with, actually, I've got this Oreo flavored creamer. They're not paying me to say this, but it is oh. really, really good. What are you drinking? Well, I, I am, and also I'm not getting paid for this, but if they want to, I'm more than happy to take their money. Uh, I'm just having, it's a, just a simple Javalia K-Cup uh, Columbia dark roast type thing. Cause that's, and I'm drinking it black today. I go back and wow. forth. I gave it up for Lent. I gave up cream and sugar for Lent one year and it was hard, mm-hmm. but then after I did it, Ever since then, I don't need cream and sugar in my coffee. I'm like, well, now it's not like a sacrifice. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like it's not, I don't really miss it sometimes anyways. Yeah, so no, that's, that's good. I did that one year too. And by the end of Lent, I was able to drink black coffee. But then eventually I was just, I would like walk past the flavored creamers every day, you know, or every time I went to the grocery store and I was like, oh, I missed that. Oh, I missed that. So just like emotionally, I missed it. And so now I'm back into yeah. my coffee. Well, that, that makes sense. So let's get, let's get to your story because you have some really sure. cool stuff to share with us. So um, 
My first question is just what calls have you received from God in your faith journey or, or things that you thought were calls, but turned out maybe to not be calls for kind of the long run, maybe just the short run. Um, and what, yeah. did they, what did those calls look and feel like to you? And, you know, and you can work in a little of your background and definitely your story. Yeah. So for me, you know, I, so I had a, a pretty, I mean, I'll, I'll give you the Cliff's Notes version for, for today, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, growing up, I, so I, I grew up in um, just south of Harrisburg, kind of halfway between Harrisburg, PA, and, and Gettysburg, uh, right on, on Route 15 there. Uh, funny enough, uh, right at the time of this recording, uh, my wife and my daughter and I are living in my grandmother's old house. She passed away a few years ago. And, and so mm. it's, uh, it's a temporary kind of thing that we're renting from my, my dad, but it's, it sort of feels funny, almost like it's come full circle, you know, like we're back yes. in the heart of where I, where I grew up, you know, and... Um, but I grew up, you know, in a very, very non-Catholic area. It's about 88, uh, I think about 88, 87, 88% non-Catholic around here. Mm. Um, so it's a very small Catholic population. A lot of my extended family were Protestant and still are, you know, a lot of my friends, most of my friends in school. Uh, but by the same token, it's, it's a very down to earth kind of rural, you know, um, people who love God and love their families and, and are just, you know, sort of you know, family values oriented and Christian, you know. And so I grew up, I think, in an overall a good environment like that. Uh, my, my family, of course, is, is Catholic. And over the years, even looking back on it, though I wouldn't have known at the time, I think our, our faith was individually and collectively growing that whole time as well. And, then, you know, we've all come a long way. Um, but, you know, and into high school and, and looking into college, I mean, I had a lot of the same challenges that anybody else has. Um, I went to a public high school. I was, you know, very much a public school kid. My faith was, was, you know, important to me, but it was, yeah, I don't know if I would have thought of it this way, but looking back on it, it was, you know, kind of compartmentalized, I think, sure. in a lot of ways. So, um, and so again, you know, it could have been a lot worse. I never had a serious crisis of faith in terms of, of you know, thinking of rejecting God or, um, and it wasn't that I didn't think about things or have lots of questions, but I always had, I think, a pretty good grounding. Mm. Um, so I, you know, I had some crises of faith, uh, at the end of high school in terms of college, a couple, actually <laughs> my top three colleges that I banked everything on all rejected me the same weekend oh, um, <laughs> pain. in April of my senior year of high school. And I was like, and it was good Friday of all days. Uh, I got <laughs> these reject letters and, and looking back suffering. on it, I'm like, man, redemptive suffering. Yeah. So long story short, I mean, right off the get go, I mean, I mean, this is, it's hard to believe, but you know, I mean, so I'm, I'm 34 now I'm getting close to, it's, you know, 20 years now since I went into high school. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, a long time ago, you know, for me that, that a lot of this happened, but I learned, I think pretty early on just from, from that, you know, which is an experience I think a lot of people run into, uh, that, you know, I hadn't really, I had prayed basically in the context of God, please help me get into school X. You yes. know, it wasn't really so much like a, that I remember at least, like a really intentional, you know, like prolonged intentional attitude, you know, of discipleship of Lord, where are you leading me to, to be in your vineyard? It wasn't so much that it was, you know, God, you know, maybe it was God, please help me get into the school or God, I think this is right. Please make this happen. You know? So it was, yes. I think, you know, he worked with me where I was at. And, you know, the college I ended up going to was Catholic U down in D.C., uh, mm-hmm. our alma mater, funny enough. Yes, yes, um, we went both even went though there. You, you and I, yeah, you know, even though you and I didn't meet there. Um, right. But, um, and I don't know, by the way, I'm, I'm, do you want me just to give the kind of the snapshot or, or I don't know if we want to go more thematically <laughs> because I could just summarize college too. 
Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, definitely um, summarize and, college. And, and in terms of the, yeah, yeah. And so again, in, again, because here I think you know we're talking about uh, you know about discernment, you know, and that's that's really what I want to I want to kind of get through the life story to kind of get to the, the deeper issue there because that's always there, you know. And that was really in, in in college at Catholic U with being away from my family. Um, you know, it wasn't too far from home, but you know, I've, I've I forget who I heard, first heard say this, but I've always liked the phrase of of having that moment, and that certainly was the case for me where I had to really wrestle with this idea of, of sort of moving beyond renting my parents' faith, <laughs> yes. you know, to actually sort of purchasing my own, like making that investment in, in something that's, mm. you know, very much in line with what, where I grew up and what I grew up with, but it had to become real. It had to become, you know, a, a, a reflection, a, re, a response to what, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ who died for my sins and gave me his church, you know, to, to guide me what he did for me, not just for us vaguely. And that really started to sink in for me in college. Um, And Catholic U was a great place for that because it was a, for me, it was a great blend of, you had all these incredible exposures to the Catholic faith and visiting people coming through big masses that I, you know, I never heard of the Maronites or the, you know, the different Eastern rites and, and just seeing the richness of Catholicism in a way I never had. And then also all of my, um, you know, exposure to studying theology, which became a, a big passion of mine and, and continues to be to this day. Um, so through that, obviously, one thing that came up eventually for me was, was struggling and, and trying to wrap my head around, like, could God be calling me to the priesthood? Mm. And, um, you know, to make a long story short, you know, how do you figure that out? I still don't really know how to answer that question for somebody. You I know. know. Because how you figure it out. I feel like how you, how do you figure it out implies that it's, it's a process that you, like there's an answer sheet somewhere that, that you of your own, you know, just hard work figure it out. And that's just not, right. not how it really works, yeah. you know? And, and, yeah. um, and so that, that really manifested after a few more years, like I graduated college, I went off, did a bunch of army stuff for a while all over the place and, and still, you know, kept thinking about that. And, and it really, for me came down to, you know, really feeling a strong call to be a husband and a father, but also this very strong call to maybe being a priest who is a husband and a father. Um, and, and, um, and so I learned a lot. There was the intellectual side of it. Uh, there was the, the, the prayer at the, at the heart of it. And ultimately I, I spent a year in the seminary uh, where I was finally able to really set that year aside to just really focus on getting, you know, getting that figured out. <laughs> Yes. Uh, definitively. So, um, and that's maybe a good segue there. Cause that was, that was probably the big landmark moment for me in discernment of when I really, you know, really came to that understanding that, wow, you know, I don't know all of it. I can't see most of this picture, but God, God wanted me to be here. He wanted me to be in the seminary, but he doesn't want me to stay here. Mm. <laughs> you know, now that, that this is just, just clear and it wasn't a vision. It wasn't, the blessed Virgin, you know, Virgin Mary appearing to me in the middle of the night telling me that it just, you know, it was, it was a slow, peaceful, calm, you know, kind of recognition, not just of God, what God wanted me to do, uh, but, but who, who I was, who I am, who God made me to be. Um, and, and that's how I would really describe that, you know, so that was kind of a culminating point, I think of, of a lot of the journey up to that point. Yes, I totally resonate with everything you're saying. I love what you said about um, uh, kind of stopping uh, renting your parents' faith and and buying it yourself, <laughs> because that means it costs yep. you something. 
It's not just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it is free, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you uh, certainly your Sunday mornings, but then it's also going to cost you really right. every moment. It's going to be um, seeing through a, uh, seeing the world through a particular lens and, and with a particular point of view um, to the point where you can't just do whatever you want and feel okay about it. Um, and none of us can really mm -hmm. do that anyway because there's natural law and we have a conscience, but it's really waking up your conscience and sort of allowing God to transform every moment of your life, um, which is a huge shift. And, and I totally went through the same thing at Catholic U as well in college. And of course, it's an ongoing process, as you know. Um, so mm -hmm. I am curious, though, because I've been asked this question by so many people because I've talked with many people about discernment and everyone always wants to know, as you said, this answer of like, how do you know, you know, where's the answer sheet? When do you get to see the answer sheet? When does God show it to you? And I want to, um, I want to just think about the moment when you first thought, hey, I could be a priest. And, you know, how did yeah. that, you discerned that that was, you know, potentially a call. What did that actually feel like? Um, you know, what, what is yeah. God talking to you? What does that feel like? Well, you know, and, I, and again, I think it's, it's, it's probably different for everybody, or at least, you know, I, I, at the heart of it, it's the same in that it's coming from the same source, but we are all so different yes. that I think it, it, God magnanimously, you know, and incredibly, you know, just makes it makes himself able to be experienced in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and let me just, before I forget kind of, you know, like a little tangent to that, because that your, your comment about costing something reminded me and I had to look it up because I'm not, I'm not super incredibly intellectual to the point where I can remember all of these things from memory um, all the oh, time. So yeah. I had to look it up, but, but T.S. Eliot, I always love that line. Exactly. You know, I always love that line from, from T.S. Eliot's um, uh, the four quartets where, where he says uh, he's describing, you know, uh, describing this and he says quick now here now always. And he just describes it a condition of complete simplicity costing not less than everything. Wow. You know, and that idea of like this, this, this sort of, um, source and summit, this, this, uh, in our heart and our conscience and, you know, the, the depths of our souls where we have this encounter with God, where it's, it's unique and it's unrepeatable. And he does, he offers this to everybody and that it mm -hmm. is, you know, so much more and more simple than you figuring out the perfect path that you're going to cut out for yourself. Yes. Yes. It's, it's so much simpler than that, but it costs everything because you have to give yourself entirely to him. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, he doesn't just want your mind. He doesn't just want, you know, your body. He, you know, he wants the you, you know, the whole you. Yes. You know, so along those lines, you know, like with, with hearing God, I think speak to me, I guess what I would say is, um, you know, it, again, it's, it's, you know, difficult to kind of put into words, but, you know, as best I can, I, I usually describe it to people as, you know, it's, 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 it's a peaceful, you know, uh, very calm silence. And if, if anyone out there hasn't read, uh, Cardinal Seurat's book, uh, the power of silence, you, I'm not, don't turn off this podcast yet, but as soon as it's over <laughs> or maybe jot it down, you have got to read that book because he, well, he yes. describes it more masterfully than hardly anyone I've seen, you know, at least mm -hmm. lately. And, and he really, you know, rec brings this theme up a lot through there that, you know, if you go like so many of us do, you go to the chapel, you go somewhere and you sit there and squeeze your eyes shut. You keep waiting for God to speak to you, quote unquote, by appearing in a physically manifest way and saying words. What's so funny though, the more I think about it is that is so almost goofy 
like and so limiting and and i mean what he does is so much more incredible than that but we normally we think that it would be more incredible if he would show up and you know make sounds that are human words and we could hear it that's not really that's i mean that's not more impressive than uh than getting them the reality of it which i think for for me i certainly you know have these moments where it's precisely when i deliberately just try to shut up uh and that's not just you know me talking out loud either it's it's you know asking god like like in my in my heart in the very depths of my soul making the choice making the decision to be receptive and that's all i can really describe it as i there's not really a i mean there's methods everyone wants a method but it's it's beyond a method because it's it's you have to unlock your own door, <laughs> you know, yes. and let him in. Um, right. and, and more about it being a method. It's, you know, like if you're like me, you know, you can spend a lot of years wasting time looking for the method when all you really have to do is open the door. Yes. You know, but sometimes we don't want to, because we don't really want to hear what he has to say, or he starts mm-hmm. to tell us or whispers it to the keyhole, you know, and you're like, <laughs> No, that can't be right. That can't be right. Well, why can't that be right? Because it's not what I want, you know, yes. or it's not the way I thought it would be or when it would happen or, you know. Um, so I think that's a big piece of it, too. And it was precisely through encounters like that when I stopped trying to find a method and just let it be simpler than that, that I just had this interior piece. You know, I would have these moments where I would just have an interior piece. And my imagination, by the way, is insane. I, You know, like for me, it, it's, I'm the kind of guy who, you know, like Jerry Seinfeld talks about this, you know, where like for little boys running around, like dressing up at Halloween or playing Batman or Superman or, you know, like the Jedi and Sith, these, they're not fantasies. These are options, you know, like, like children, you know, and, 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 um, you know, um, 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 oh, I just lost his name. Um, Romano Guardini, uh, the famous theologian and, and Bishop Barron's been mentioning this a lot now. Like, he has a lot of discussion about the seriousness of play, you know, talking about the, the liturgy as, as kind of play, which sounds strange, but it's, you know, this idea of it's not useful in that we use this thing to achieve something greater. It's, it's, we're just there at the mass to just be there with our Lord, you know, and this, mm. this, mm-hmm. this, this, beautiful playful you know thing that's not done for some other reason other than just love and that 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 um that that uh, uh presence you know being present yes. and he talks about in that same breath like children you know children are are they play but play is not frivolous to them it's serious you know <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. they take it seriously and so that idea of when i when i think i started to finally experience that more myself where i was serious about being humble, I guess you could say, maybe we're trying to be and, and, you know, opening up to just whatever God would want to share with me. But he just started to share with me a, a tremendous sense of peace and calm that would come over my heart in just, you know, imagining myself being a husband and a dad. And I wasn't thinking yeah. about what job I'd have. I wasn't thinking about, honestly, for me, even who I would be married to or who my kids would be. It was, it was more about just him showing me with his eyes what he made me to be. Mm, mm-hmm. And then when, when I would then think and pray about, you know, being a priest, it just wasn't there. I mean, I could get fired up about it. I could be filled with inspiration, but it just, it wasn't me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's kind of, that's, that's how I sort of describe it. It just, and it was gradual. And after that happened many, many, many times over a long period of time, it was like, I had that piece where I was like, all right, you know, and then when I made the decision to leave and it's always scary, you know, buyer's remorse, whether you get a new job or like, you know, you get a, a dog or the house you buy there, or, you know, there's always that, like, what did I just do? Yes. You know, but when, but when you make that definitive choice, you know, we, I think we've all experienced that in one way or another. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's scary right in the wake of it, but then you have a sense of like, ah, oh, like you breathe out and you're like, mm-hmm. yes. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah, totally. This was the right thing. Okay. Yes. But, but that's uh-huh. that leap of faith. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. It's scary, but you, you have to make that leap. And um, so that, I don't know if that, does that kind of get it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, that that yeah. was all so good. It totally resonates with my experience. And I loved what you said about, um, kind of not wanting to give everything and only wanting to listen to God when he tells you what you want to hear. Because me discerning was the point in my life at which I finally realized that I needed to stop treating um, my religion selfishly and I needed to actually be willing to hear something from God that maybe I didn't want to hear. And right. me, what you were saying about silence, um, for me, a lot of that speaking to... to um, God and, and hearing his voice in my heart, that which you did a really great job of describing. It's a very, I knew it was going to be a tough Thank question, you. but you're very <laughs> articulate. So, you know, I knew you'd do a good job of it, but Thank you're right. You. It's, 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 I do try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, I feel crazy talking about this because it's not something that really has words. You know, you can't put tangible um, human experiences and, and say, oh, it's exactly like this. Um, you just know right. it happens. Um, yeah. And for me, that process of really being able to hear God speaking to me came when I started doing a daily holy hour. And the reason I started mm-hmm. doing a daily holy hour was because I was a part of um, the sisterhood becoming nuns. And before the cameras arrived every morning, the nuns had us get up early with them and do a holy hour. So it was part oh, of my... Okay. It was part of my discernment right there in the convent. And, you know, God can work through so many different things. And I love that he used a TV show to really actually start to speak to my heart in discernment. Um, and, and, you know, and that's when you build your trust with him so that when he does reveal to you what it is that he is, is seeking from you, it can be, it, it's more of an invitation and less of a, you know, I want you to do this thing right now. It's not scary. It's, it, it's, um, it feels exciting. Yeah, and it, it totally can, and it, it you know, it just takes a, it it takes a, I think a willingness, you know, I think, well, a willingness, you know, it takes a willingness to to be wrong, <laughs> you know, at least in, about the circumstances, uh, a faith that you are not wrong about, you know, your 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 trust in the Lord and and you know the the reasonableness of that, you know, because he's <laughs> he's the one who made everything, he made you, you know, he made. Um, he made everything, you know, yeah. so who better than him to kind of have the final word on that, but that he involves us in that, that decision-making. And, you know, if I may, I wanted to just point out like a, an image that comes to mind, you know, when I was just thinking about this discussion was that, uh, the, you know, discernment is, I, <laughs> I think there was part of me, I, I say this sort of tongue in cheek cause I don't obviously mean it exactly like this literally, but that, um, you know, I think discernment is something that we, we tend to, of course, you know, I mean, a million people have said this, so I'm kind of repeating myself, you know, or repeating them perhaps, but that discernment 
we tend to hear that word, you know, in retreats and stuff like that. And it's like, what does discernment mean? Like, oh, that's when you're figuring out if you're supposed to be married or be a priest or sister. <sighs> and I'm like, well, yeah, well, no, like those nope. things are part of discernment, uh-huh. you know, but, but discernment's not a subcategory of figuring that out. And then it's like, and the analogy I thought of actually was, um, I love or loved past tense because it's been a while. I, I would, I think I still love it. Um, uh, land navigation back mm. in the army days, I was actually pretty good at it. Still am. I like to generally know at any given time where I am on the earth. You know, um, so I think I've always had a pretty good, pretty good sense of, uh, sense of direction. Um, and, and not in the stereotypical, you know, when everyone always makes fun of how, you know, you know how men are in directions, which I, I find offensive by the way. I know that there are guys who are like that, but mm. some, maybe someone just actually is good at it, you know? Yeah. So, uh, at any rate, I, I would always, you know, um, you would do these, these land navigation, uh, exercises where, you know, and it's, it's all pretty technical and stuff, how you'd have to plot your points, but you'd have like a physical map for those millennials listening out there. That was a piece of paper you would hold. It was a graphical <laughs> depiction of what it looks like on earth, you know, yes. and, and you didn't have to worry about a battery dying because you were holding a physical map, you know? So anyways, so yes, and it's, you may, you may all know it as something like, you know, GPS these days, but no, right. anyway, no, I, 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 I love that. But, but instead of, yeah, but, the, but these maps wouldn't tell you how to get where you needed to go. So you had to figure it out. And, um, mm-hmm. I've often thought, you know, like, I think sometimes we treat discernment, like getting, like you're either getting out there, or you've just started sort of your, your journey into the woods or wherever you're going or across the desert, you know, and you, you look at the map and you get a good look at it and you really, really know where you are and where you're going. And mm-hmm. then you're like, great. And then you throw the map away and head off. And it's like, I think a lot of us treat discernment that way with, with, for example, like, yes, God is like, if I had done that in seminary, I think I did to some degree, God's calling me to marriage. Yay. Okay, great. But how are you going to get there? And then how are you going to be a good one? (laughs) Like a good husband. (laughs) And then, so like the, the, I I think of discernment as basically the lifelong never ending until maybe five minutes after you're in the grave just to be safe. (laughs) <laughs> like never ending sort of like spiritual, you know, um, uh, land navigation, <laughs> you know, yes. and, and constantly like, you know, you, you have to stop. And, and, you know, this is the first thing you'll learn, you know, in, in the, uh, in the army, like doing this, this sort of analog, <laughs> you know, going through with just your map by yourself in the woods. Like if you, you can be as precise as you think you can, you can really do a lot of hard work to get your whole route planned out. And it could be right. And your route could be perfectly laid out on the map, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you're going to follow it perfectly automatically because you're still flawed. It also means, you know, I mean, so you can make mistakes in plotting all of your points on your map, but even if you don't, you can still make mistakes getting from point to point. Totally. So I think that the, the analogy I thought of earlier today, I never thought of this before today, by the way, the analogy that hit me earlier oh. today with this was from my own experience, you know, that there were times where. I was so convinced that the, the point on my map I had plotted hours before was exactly right. And I'm like, no, it's right. Why isn't the point? Why isn't it here? It's supposed to be right here. And then I'd realize I wrote like a three instead of an eight or like one tiny little error. Or, or you know, if, if you're going like a thousand meters through the woods, you know, straight shot and, you know, you go a little too far left, a little too far right. 
you know, and you have your compass. If you're off by one degree on your compass over a thousand meters, you can be a hundred meters away from where you're supposed to be at the end of that. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, it yes. doesn't take much at all. If you're insisting on like, Oh no, I am absolutely on the right path. You have to force yourself to stop, you know, every so often. And I see this, you know, there's a lot of ways to do this, but I think, you know, prayer guiding you through life, you know, I think in general is a good connection here, you know, mm-hmm. forcing yourself to like, Oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Yeah. But you're going to get lost. You know, like you have got, to stop and and pray and make sure like look at the map yes <laughs> let the map speak to you you know ye, oh wow actually i'm way off and i got to adjust here a little bit you oh know my gosh. Or i'm off a yes. little bit you know so that's that's kind of i mean i could go more with that but that's just some food for thought i think that's that's really firing me up today as far as like yes duh. <laughs> like yes. god gave me that experience in life of something just you know seemingly a trivial little thing about my life but that's a hugely spiritual connection you know for the rest of my life that he sort of made almost sacramentally small small s you know sacramentally present mm-hmm. to me in in something that i encountered in my life that's you amazing know, that's what he does right and you just yeah. stated my whole mission in doing this podcast which is really to recognize Yes, vocational discernment, because there, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding in the Catholic world about that. And people, mm-hmm. anyone who's discerning and has the absolute best of intentions, you know, a lot of times we're waiting for God to sort of send us a signal. So, you know, we look for signs. We wait for him to, to speak to us in kind of a physical voice like we were talking about earlier. And we don't, and mm-hmm. we think of ourselves as kind of being done once we find our vocation, but it's really a lifelong process. And, you know, I'm discerning all the time. John and I, I, <laughs> I use this example in the first podcast with, um, with natural family planning. It's a daily discernment of, you know, are we ready mm-hmm. to have another child yet? And, you know, and, and right. um, so many other decisions too. You have to decide what's going to be best for your family and where you're going to move, discerning your, your um, relationships um, and what you want your family to look like. There's, I mean, it really never ends. And, and these are the issues that are, you know, right. in my life right now, but down the road, you know, if I'm taking care of my parents and, and they're getting out, you know, they're getting older, they're not now, but, you know, in 20, 30 years or whatever, you know, do you put them in a nursing home? Do you, do you take care of them at home? How do you, you know, how do you navigate all of these different things? And um, you're right. It is, it is basically inviting God to be your map and to be kind of your constant companion. Um, and I think vocational yeah. discernment is really the ideal time to, to kind of take ownership of your faith like you did in college and, and really, you know, start to build that relationship with him so that once he helps you find your vocation, then you're going to have that relationship built where he's just going to continue to be your map and you're just going to continue checking in with him all the time. Um, so that, that's a really cool image. I love that. I'm definitely yeah. going to use that. I'm going to take that into prayer with me. Um, so you, you've talked to me yeah. past about how, uh, you didn't really feel done once you found your vocation and, and what did this kind of realization that discernment never ends? What did that teach you? Well, you know, I think, uh, well, the short answer is a, a lot of, a lot of things and, and <laughs> I'm sure, you know, in, in full disclosure, I'm sure that there are things that, that God, you know, I, I say this sort again, sort of tongue in cheek, he's face palming sometimes with me. I'm sure that there was like a lesson that probably should have been obvious that I completely blew it and missed. But mm-hmm. I, I firmly believe he gives me more opportunities to learn that later on. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one example is <laughs> kind of a, not entirely related, but sort of, um, years ago, my brother's dog, uh, ran through a patch of poison oak and I didn't know that. And then I was like playing around with him and stuff. And I got oh. 
the most horrible poison ever on my, like my left arm looked like, you know, I was trans, you know, like transforming into like swamp thing or something. It was oh, horrible no. and it was so painful. And then my family was on vacation and, you know, so long story short, I had to get, um, this steroid. So I'm already like, I'm super stressed out about a couple things in life at that point. Now I'm on a steroid mm. <laughs> and the dog that, that did like the dog whose fault this is, you know, I'm watching him and he starts to run away from me one day and he's not listening. And I lost it. And I, I didn't like, I didn't like hurt him or anything like that, but I was like, I have never been like up to that point. Like I had never been that furious and filled with like rage, like in all of my life. Wow. But I was so mad and so emotional over it. And, and yeah, to be fair, the steroids I'm sure contributed to, you know, for it oh, sure. uh, or the steroid I was on, um, not steroids, like, like professional wrestler steroids, just to be clear, <laughs> like prescribed ones that the doctor gave. Yeah. So anyways, so my, my, my only point is like, there was, you know, you know, like I couldn't control how I felt maybe, or, you know, but, but there were a lot of moments that weekend that I could have, you know, there were very practical moments to try to offer it up and practice patience because patience is the easiest thing in the world when it's not hard to do. You know, yep. <laughs> or, you know, like, or when you're with someone who's not particularly that difficult to deal with, you know, um, it's, it's, you know, just like, you know, in a way charity is really, you know, is really, I suppose, very easy if, you know, you, if you have means, per se, and I'm not, that's a blanket statement, you know, but I'm just saying like, if, if you, if you're doing very well and you don't have a lot of expenses, you know, you can maybe give a little more monetarily, let's say. Mm-hmm. but when you're not doing so well and you're tempted to be like, well, God only expects charity of rich people. Mm. Well, that's not true. And, and charity takes a lot of forms and, and, you know, so, but I think, I think we, we all get tested, you know, in, in all sorts of, of different ways um, and, and have these opportunities to, to learn from those moments and learn from like the ongoing discernment, you know, whatever that particular phase of life is for me, you know, in the last few months, um, you know, there's been a lot of testing of faith and patience or anytime you like you're in between jobs or when you've moved, um, or there's just like a life transition going on and you're sort of, you know, feeling caught in between the old and whatever the new is going to be, you know, that's, that's a real, I think opportunity for discernment because, you know, you can just be terrified about it and worried and freak out the whole time, you know, or you can at least try, you know, and I, I try, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to to just bring it bring it to God. And can I share it real quick? Um, I don't yeah. know if you've shared this before. You, you know Tom Thomas Merton's uh, his prayer, his discernment prayer. I it's think one of my, I one do. Of my favorites. It's just yeah, yeah. It's, can I share it real quick? Absolutely. It's, it's great, and I I like to mention it. And anytime I'm talking about my story at all, because I've been here before. See, it's, the prayer starts, "My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going." <laughs> Yes, I know okay, this that's one. a good start. <laughs> right. Yeah. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. I think that's key. Um, and he goes on. Um, and the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I actually am doing so. Mm-hmm. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have the desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road though I may not know anything about it. Therefore, will I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. 
That's wow. Beautiful. Right. I mean, that's like, yes. I mean, I, maybe I should, if I had just quoted that at the beginning of this, <laughs> there really wouldn't have been any reason to ask me to tell stories. No, <laughs> no, no, this is, this is great. No, that's in a nutshell. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I love that, um, you know, that kind of addresses what you said at the very beginning where we feel like there's an answer sheet and at some point we're going to get to see what the right answer is. But he's just, Mm -hmm. I I think we're, we're holding ourselves to this, um, like it's really hard to to rid ourselves of that idea that there is somehow this, this right answer, wrong answer. Um, And there is a, you know, there definitely are wrong answers. You can choose something morally wrong um, or maybe something Mm -hmm. that's not ideal for you, but also just, just the desire to please God in and of itself is pleasing to God. It's more, it's less Mm -hmm. about, you know, God, like I want to do the, the one right thing that you have for me. And it's more about like, God, I want to be with you. I want to just, I want, I am your child and I just want to, like, I want to love you and I want to know your love for me. I just want to have you on this journey with me. Um, And I I think that I love that prayer. I I do remember reading that and it was, I love how it starts out. I have no idea where I'm going because that's me all the time. Like, what is my life? Not some idea. Like I need two more answers out of the 10. It's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) No idea. Like why? And it's humbling. And at the core of that, I think I thought, what? Yeah, well, yeah, and I think at the core of that prayer is is maybe the heart of, of everything I've been saying today and, and really maybe the heart and the whole meaning of all human life. You ready for this? Ready. <laughs> no, I think it, it's, and it's, it's summed up of all places, I think, very well. And the scene of, and I don't know, I don't even know how I feel about it yet, but the, the Andrew Garfield uh, Spider-Man movies, um, that particular reboot of the 19 Spider-Man reboots they've done. Um, he says at the end of, the, I think, the first one, he's, he's late to English class and his teacher's starting the lecture. And she says that, you know, there are, there are lots of different theories in, you know, literature across the world about, you know, different, different basic plot lines of any given story. Some people say there's only 10 basic plot lines. Some people say there's five. She says, and that scene, I'll never forget, it's really good. She goes, I'm here to tell you there is only one. She goes, I submit to you there is only ever one basic plot line of all, of all literature in human history. Who are you? Hmm. You know, and I was like. I, yeah, I think that, and, and again, not, you know, to be careful not to say that, that it's all about us because, you know, first Corinthians uh, six nineteen. I was thinking of this this morning and then it, it popped up in a daily reading. So that's why I know what verse it is when, when Paul talks about how we're temples of the Holy spirit and then says, you know, you are not your own. Yes. You know, that, that you are not your own. Uh, every one of us is uh, a word you know, because God creates through his word, every one of us is a mm. unique, distinct word spoken by someone else, <laughs> you know, wow. and held in being at all times by someone who's not you, you know, and that's where, you know, it, it's, it's different than, you know, Eastern mysticism, of course, you know, where you go in and you discover that there is no other, that it's just you. It's, no, 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 no. There, there is, is other. other with a capital O, always yes. distinct from you, but he loves you so much. He, he's willing to die for you to let you share in his life. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is, well, that's just crazy enough to be true. <laughs> it's deep. That is really deep. And I think sometimes as we're so distracted with all of our cell phones and, you know, just social media, it kind of gives us the impression, certainly me, gives me the impression that I'm like the center of the universe and it's all about attracting followers. Right. I can just go through my day thinking along those lines so easily. And I still yeah. struggle with this all the time. You know, even though I'm technically serving yeah. my family, I'm really thinking about myself a lot, so much of the time. And um, right. I, I love what you said, just like, it's not all about us. Somebody else has done the calling 
and we are the ones who are called. <laughs> we are the recipients, and yeah. we need to be receptive to that. And call, the, and the but, responders. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely that's a that's when you realize that and you're able to really accept that. That is actually incredibly freeing. Um, well, exactly because because you're not not only are you not the one doing the calling. You can't do it. Like it's, it's, yeah. God doesn't expect any of us to call ourselves to anything. I don't mm-hmm. think, I, I mean, it's, that's not like why, but man, do we waste some, sometimes our whole lives on that. Like mm-hmm. I need to cut my path through the world. That's exactly not how it works. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and, you know, I mean, it is, um, not, not to be too stark, but you know, then when we, when we let that lead us into pursuit of riches, for example, or, you know, and so many other things, you know, there's a reason that, there's a reason that quite bluntly that the suicide rate is, you know, directly, not inversely, but directly related or, I mean, proportional to income bracket, hmm. you know, like it's, it's the, the more you get, you know, the numbers bear it out. That's not, I'm not, you know, denigrating it, but I'm just saying like, it's, it's, you see increasing levels of depression and, and even harm, you know, self-harm, Mm. the more stuff people get, the more success in a sense they have at making what they want their life to be mm-hmm. actually does exactly the opposite of what we always tell ourselves it will do. Yes. You know, you know that's you know the, I mean, that's the great lie, you know? Absolutely. You know, what's been so good for me lately. Um, I, I just, I mean, I don't know why it's taken me this long to get to the point where I, you know, finally think to do this, but many times if I really want something, whether it's a physical object or some kind of honors or like, you know, some, something that's going to make me look good or anything, I'll just say like, God, mm-hmm. if you, if you want this to happen, please let it happen. And if you don't want it to happen, then it won't happen. And I'm going to be okay either way. And you know, that just yeah. really transforms that makes, it makes it so much easier to be happy because then it's like a weight is lifted off my shoulders every time. And I just feel like, Oh, I can breathe. It's not the, it's not up to me to make everything happen for my own life. Sometimes things are so far out of my control. And, and if it's, if it's not happening, it's because, you know, God doesn't want it to happen. And I've tried, if I try my best and it still doesn't happen, that's okay. Um, and I think we all have disappointments and the road twists and turns constantly. Um, yeah. It, th- thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's all, that's all so good. Um, we are running out of time, but just before we go, yeah. um, is there any other, anything else that you uh, related to discernment you want to share or um, do you have any resources for people? Cause I know you're very well read. Do you have any resources for people who um, want to begin discerning their vocation, but don't know where to start? I think um, uh, there's a few, of, well, I mean, there's always a bunch of books. I, maybe just I'll just pick one, and it's because right. it's it's not because it's automatically the best, or you know, I mean, I just it's I read it recently and it just came to mind. Great. I would recommend. Um, uh, oh, I just lost his last name. Darn it! Uh, Div- uh, Abandonment to Divine Providence. You know, Cassad, um, Jean Pierre Cassad, and it's 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 a spiritual classic. It's one of those books like you know that saints have become saints because they read that and then it transformed their lives. <laughs> And it's, it's yes. what's neat is it's a lot of chapters, but they're very short for the most part, a couple pages. And they, they really just like, you can really ruminate and go through it. It's not a very long book. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at the heart of that is then what really ha- grew into, especially the spirituality of uh, blessed uh, uh, Charles de Foucault, you know, who is a really bad man who became a really great, you know, a really great saint and wrote that famous uh, uh, prayer of abandonment, you know, Father, I yes. abandon myself into your hands, you know, and then just this, this whole spirit of, you know, it's not self-loathing. It's, it's complete trust in your father who knows what you need, you know, more than you ever will. Yes. So that's a good, that's one I'd recommend. 
That is actually, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. I read that when I was discerning and I used to love to read books at the gym and I'd be like on the elliptical trying to read. And for that one, I just yeah. kept stopping and I would like, yeah. I would just like lose my breath and I'd be like, oh my gosh. And I, I would just, yep. I would read one page and then I would put it down. I'd be like, I can't do it at the gym. I can't do it. It, it really is an incredible book. That is a fantastic recommendation. Yep. Yeah, Mike, it's been yep. so, yep. so good having you on this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for coffee. Absolutely. And enjoy the rest of your coffee yeah. and the rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thanks, Stacy. Take care. Take care. I hope you thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Mike as much as I did. You can find links to all the stuff that we talked about in the show notes. I'll be back with another episode in two weeks. And in the meantime, stay caffeinated and for goodness sake, stay Catholic.